Welcome to the Moon and Carolina podcast, where we candidly talk business and personal growth through the lens of spirituality, astrology, practicality, and consciousness. I'm your host, Shelby Bundy, and I look forward to diving into the everyday magic of creating the life and business that you were born to lead. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Moon in Carolina podcast. As promised in this episode, I want to share with you my own personal experience of financial failure and how manifesting and speaking to the universe was our way out. I share this story in this early episode as I think it's important to understand the perspective that I'm coming from as we move forward with this little podcast. As we move through future episodes, we're going to be looking at various topics surrounding personal success and life purpose, so it's important that you know a bit about why this is an important topic for me. So this word manifesting, I feel like it's tossed around the spiritual community so prevalent these days, it's almost lost its meaning and the power in it. We're constantly told to just manifest it like it's that simple, and in some ways, I guess it really is, but it also takes dedication, daily practice, and intent. I'll speak a little later about what the word means to me and how I personally have felt its potent magic, but for now, let's start by diving into a little story time. So it was early 2008, and my husband Jason and I were newlyweds. The kids were small, five and under one, and he had just gotten out of serving eight years in the military. We had been living in San Diego pretty comfortably in a nice rental on the outskirts of town. I had just finished beauty school the year prior, and I had my own little studio salon in La Jolla, and I had been building up a small clientele. When Jason had decided that he wasn't going to re-enlist for another four years, we had some conversations about what he would like to do next. There were plenty of opportunities for ex-military, and we reviewed them all equally, but none of them seemed to really fit the mold of the life that we had envisioned for ourselves, which was a life that had freedom to travel, to be present for the kids, while doing work that felt fulfilling. We also wanted unlimited income potential, which meant that we were going to need to be entrepreneurs. We had big dreams for a couple of mid-20-somethings without college degrees and two kids. I asked Jason one day what he most enjoyed doing with his time, and he responded that his main passion was building and restoring old cars. This was no secret to me, of course, and anyone who saw our driveway or garage could vouch for this revelation. So we began talking about what it would look like if he were to open a little hot rod shop in San Diego. After some research, we quickly realized that there was no way that we were going to be able to afford to rent a space, and it was decided that he would start taking on work out of our garage. I was doing okay with my hair clients, and he was on what is called terminal leave in the military, which is basically like the equivalent of taking all your paid days off and vacation at the end of your enlistment. So we had a few months of income coming in from that, and we were all set to get started. Surprisingly, Jason's little hot rod shop thrived. 
We didn't have the funds to advertise properly. So we put up some free ads on Craigslist and the clients just came rolling in, literally. (laughs) He was busy seven days a week with a wait list. It helped that he is a gifted hot rod builder and literally the man that could build anything. So there wasn't a job that came in that he wasn't capable of doing. As the months passed, we were feeling motivated and excited about the new chapter in our lives. New baby, new business, both of us chasing our passions and making it work. The only thing that we were missing at the time was our families. We were eight hours away from where I come from in Northern California, and we were six hours away from his coastal hometown. We were both raised in the country, and so we felt the pull to raise our kids in a similar environment. While our business ventures were doing well, we felt that we had outgrown the busy city life and we just wanted to go home. So we decided that home would be his hometown since it was closer to the beach with more opportunities. So in October of 2008, we packed up the kids and headed north to San Luis Obispo County. I would work on rebuilding a hair clientele and he would continue building cars. With our garage success in San Diego behind us, we decided it was time to look for a real shop and hang out our shingle. Rentals were more affordable, and we quickly found one that would work. I decided to lean into my photography passion as well as taking hair clients, and I found a little rental that worked as a single studio salon with an adjacent boudoir photo studio. I set up shop, and we were in business. The house we rented at the time was ran down only 700 square feet and over 100 years old. But it was on 10 acres in the country, the kids could run wild, and I could be creative, and Jason could pee off the porch, so we were all happy. (laughs) This little rental was one of those investments that the landlords had basically given up on. There were rats in the walls, and we would lay in bed at night and listen to them scurry. There were wolf spiders in every corner, and if you've ever seen a California wolf spider, you can imagine how uncomfortable this was. I personally am terrified of spiders, so Jason had his work cut out for him. The house was so rickety that when you sat by a closed window on a windy day, your hair would blow. It wasn't insulated properly, and we were either sweating to death or freezing, depending on the season. There was a little black wood-burning stove that kept the chill out in the winters, and propane heat that would have been amazing if we could have afforded to buy propane. Wood was cheaper, and Jason's paw had some land he would let us collect from. So that's what we did on winter weekends. I remember watching him chop the logs while we all huddled on the porch, waiting anxiously for the little stove to fire up and the house to come alive. Afterward, we cook spaghetti dinner, play games with the kids, and plan our lives late into the night. It was the best of times. We were young, ambitious entrepreneurs, and we were making it work. Until we couldn't. Almost immediately, we realized that we were way in over our heads in rents. His shop and mine were more than twice our house rent combined. The house rent alone was late, and the steady flow of clients we were experiencing in our garage shop in San Diego had stopped completely. Salon clients weren't coming in fast enough, and people were just cutting back. We were in a recession, and money was scarce. He was in a luxury market of classic car builds during a time when people could barely make ends meet. I was a new stylist in a town that was saturated with salons. I had little experience and no networking channels to speak of. It didn't take long to max out all of our credit cards, 
we went late on two cards that were 0% interest and the rates jumped to 29%. If we couldn't afford the minimum payment before, we definitely could not afford it now. We borrowed from his mom, then we borrowed from mine. Frankly, we borrowed from anyone who had lent it to us. We owed more than we could keep track of, it seemed, and we were drowning. The day we gave our truck to the repo guy was one of the most humbling days in my life. We had two cars, and the truck had a $240 monthly payment, so it had to go. We were upside down on the loan, and we couldn't sell. Plus, we were already late on all the payments, and we couldn't push them off any longer. We called and scheduled the appointment for them to pick it up to save ourselves the embarrassment of it being taken while we were grocery shopping with the kids. I remember waiting on the porch for him to pull up, and we were so surprised when we saw it was a couple the same age as Jason and I. We were humiliated. The repo couple, though, they were the kindest two people we had ever met. You could see in their faces that they did not enjoy their jobs, and they felt terrible that they were taking our truck. The husband walked Jason around the truck and told him to take off the tool chest that was installed in the back and that we could sell it and make some money. He saw the speakers that we had installed a few years prior and said, take those too. The wife sat with me and the kids and tried to make small talk. I'll never forget what they said to us before they drove off in our truck. They said, you two don't need to feel bad about yourselves. These are hard times. And before we pulled into your driveway, we picked up a fancy car from the owner of a winery in town. I'm not going to say who, but trust me. You're not the only ones. Then they hugged us and drove away. We felt like total failures, but it was done. And there were bigger things to move on to, like figuring out which winery in town was struggling. Shortly after that, we decided that we needed to get help and we made the call to a bankruptcy attorney. There was nowhere else to turn. We were on the verge of eviction from our rundown little house. The phone rang all day from collectors and we were at rock bottom. In a weird way, There was a sort of comfort there at the bottom of this hole that we had dug ourselves. We knew that we had exhausted all of our escapes and we were tired. We were tired of looking at the bills every night, tired of trying to turn $20 into $2,000. We were tired of arguing over which bill was more important and the constant arguing of how could you spend that when we needed this. We were just plain tired. We had talked it to death. And there were no paths we hadn't seen or tried. And this is where everything changed. At this point, we decided to not talk about it anymore. Instead, we decided to spend $6 a night on a bottle of wine and talk about something else, anything else. With nothing but the kids and our debt happening in our daily, we began to talk about what life was going to be like on the other side of this hole that we were in. We spoke as if this make-believe life was within reach. We played house and told made-up stories of this grand life we were going to be living. A life where the kids had their own rooms, the rent was paid early, and maybe one day we could pick up the ticket for our moms at dinner. Maybe we could even own a house ourselves one day. We dreamed aloud to give ourselves a mental break from the stress and to assure each other that this time in our lives was only temporary. Without even knowing it, we spent every night manifesting. What would this house look like that we would hope to own one day? How many bedrooms would it have? What color would we paint it if we could choose any color? Where would we vacation if we could go anywhere? What would Christmas look like with the kids if we could actually get them the presents that they asked for? What would that feel like? 
What would it feel like to pay back the family we owed money to, to build a savings? These are the things that we talked about over our $6 bottle of wine on the porch of the little hundred-year-old house. And what happened next? The universe began to listen. Out of nowhere, my husband had a wealthy client come in that needed a car built from the ground up, a full build, as it's called in the hot rod world, the holy grail of any hot rod builder's dreams. He would become a full-time client for an entire year, paying more each month for this one car than we had made combined. Shortly after that, an affordable salon space became available for rent on the main street of the next town over. It had walk-by traffic, big front windows, retail space, and it was half the cost of what I had been paying previously, so I jumped on it. Next, a little log cabin rental popped up a couple blocks from the beach. It was small, but nice. It was walking distance to my shop and the kids' schools. It had heat. It was shaded well, and the rent was $100 cheaper than what we paid in the little farmhouse. So we moved in. And from there, life just grew quickly. Money was steady again, and we were slowly climbing out. We canceled the attorney right before we were to sign the bankruptcy papers. We didn't need to do that anymore. Instead, we were able to make small payments, settle with some of our debtors, and slowly chip away at what was once an impossible amount of debt. We paid the family back and we took our moms out to dinner. We continued dreaming aloud. It was addicting. Because when you see the things becoming the way you imagine them, you can't help but continue to talk about it. Talking about the bad or negative things had lost its luster. Our dreams got bigger and bigger as we spoke and the universe just kept responding. Over the next few years, we opened multiple successful businesses. At one point, I got my pilot's license, and we even bought an airplane. We took the kids to Europe for a month in the summer. We had time off when we needed it, and we were able to go to their school events. We were doing work that felt fulfilling. We bought our first house, and then we bought another. We were passionate about everything we were doing, and we just kept dreaming Fast forward to today, 15 years later, my husband and I are both in awe about what we unintentionally did. Without meaning to, we spoke our dreams into existence. We continued to level up and believed ourselves into a life that feels purposeful. We chased things we were passionate about versus staying in jobs we hated. We focused on where we were going and not on where we were at, and it made all the difference. To be sure, all of this is not to say that it has been smooth sailing ever since those porch-sitting days. Quite the contrary, actually. The rough patches come and go, of course, but the difference now is we're able to see the pattern as it's forming. We're able to acknowledge when we are speaking negatively about ourselves, expressing fear of things that haven't happened yet, and speaking them too into existence. We're able to change our path. So there's the story. And now here's the question. How do you begin? So one, if you have a partner, get to talking. Choose a topic that's related to what you're wanting to bring forth into your life and literally just start talking about it. The trick here is speaking about it positively and in current times and not as a what if. So for example, if you're manifesting a new house, use sentences like, our new house is going to be a two-story with a killer view, perfect for my painting room. 
If that house needs to be in a specific location, you can say something like, I can't wait till we get our new house and I can walk the kids to school every day. Talk to each other like it's already yours. There's an added benefit to having a manifesting partner as you have twice the energy directed at your goals. So use that. Two, if you're flying solo on your manifesting endeavors, that's okay too. When you can, speak to your supportive friends, family, to yourself, the way that I mentioned, and get some good conversations going. Another way to manifest alone is just to write it down in sentences, read them aloud, write a list, write a letter, journal, however you feel most called. Do it that way and just read it aloud. This third way is one of my favorites, and it's the way that Jason and I manifested the house we live in now in North Carolina. So when we first decided to move here, we sat on our lawn in California and wrote out all the characteristics of the house we wanted to find in North Carolina. We wrote every detail that we could think of separately, and then we combined them together in a glass jar. My list included the size of the windows I wanted, the age of the house, the type of wood, the vibe, even quirky things like I wanted a laundry chute. (laughs) Once we combined our lists into our glass jar, We filled it with some herbs we chose, a few crystals, and we said a little prayer over it before we buried it on our property. A spell jar, for those of you who haven't heard of this before. And you know what? We got all of the things on that list. Was it the herbs that did it? The crystals? The moon we were under? Could have been. Or it could have been that we took the time out from our lives to sit for a while, speak of this house like it was ours, write out the details of it very clearly, and let the universe know that this is what we want and what we will have. A prayer, a ritual, spell, setting intentions, they're all the same thing. They're all ways of telling the universe what you want. Treat this as a daily practice, multiple times a day if you can. You're manipulating energy with your thoughts and words, so do it often and do it regularly. And that's really all it is, letting the universe know. And so the point of it is this, speak your future into existence, Feel it into reality, and most importantly, believe it fiercely to give it life. I share this story occasionally because it reminds me of what I'm capable of when I take control of my thoughts and my words. It reminds me that while hard times are of course inevitable, there are ways out that do not cost money or your sanity, and manifesting is free and anyone can do it. So that brings me to the close of this episode. Thank you for listening. If you got this far, I would love to hear your thoughts on this and any experiences that you may have had with manifesting or creating your own reality. The podcast emails hello at themoonincarolina.com if you'd like to write in. I'll put it in the show notes below as well. Thanks again for being here today. I look forward to future episodes as we dive into topics surrounding the creation of meaningful and purposeful lives. If you'd like to learn more about my offerings, visit my website, themoonincarolina.com. You can also find me on Instagram at themoonincarolina. I'm Shelby Bundy, and thank you for listening.